look at this, begin to think about that. You know, through the book of 1 John, there are seven statements in there that, that begin with, by this we know. Amen. And in those seven statements of by this we know, by the way, uh, Brother Gary hit on some of those uh, Monday night. And so we're going we're, we're gonna to go through seven weeks of looking at those. We're not going to get into them uh, today. We're going to just kind of have an introduction of this. But we're going to look at those. There's also seven statements in there of the reason why uh, the Apostle John says I write these things and so he says I write these things to you and then he goes on and states the purpose in there of which he said that I write these things uh, to you and, and then there's seven very bold statements that say we know so there's three sets of statements by this we know by this we know what by this we know that if we have this evidence if we have these fruit this fruit within our life then we're truly saved and then the second statement that he has is I write these things to you and so he makes that comment of the reason why uh, he writes these things to you and so uh, for instance in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1 I write these things to you so that you may not sin right and there's seven of those within the book of 1 John very small book but it's just packed full of, of, of all of these truths of God of salvation and the assurance of salvation and what comes about as a promise of salvation and then he has the seven statements of we know, right? In fact, it is in this text of Scripture right here in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, and what these are are the promises of God. Amen? The promises of God because of the salvation of God, because of eternal life, because of the person of Jesus Christ. And so when we look at this in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, the Bible says right here, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. And so the purpose of the Apostle John writing the book of 1 John is so that you can know that you have eternal life. You know, God wants you to know. He doesn't want you to think. He doesn't want you to wonder. He doesn't even want you to hope. He wants you to know that you know that you know that you have eternal life. There shouldn't be any doubt in your mind or your heart whatsoever of whether or not you have eternal life. I know that I'm a married man, right? And the reason why I know that I'm a married man, I don't know that I'm a married man because I have a wedding ring on my finger. In fact, there's a lot of folks that have wedding rings on their finger that are not married. So it's not because I have a wedding ring on my finger and, uh, that, that I know that I'm married, but I know who my bride is. I know who my wife is. I know that we're wed. You know, I know that we're married. I know the, the day it took place. I know the hour it took place. I know the location in which it took place, but I also know that Jesus Christ is my Lord and is my Savior and it's not because I'm a member I'm a member right here of Mill Creek Baptist Church very first church that I was a member of was Palestine Baptist Church in Bogalusa Louisiana but I don't know that I know Jesus Christ because I was a member of a church and I don't know that I know Jesus Christ because I've been baptized and I don't know that I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior because I walked down an aisle one day because all of those things are symbols of what should have taken place within you the moment that you came to know Jesus Christ I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior because he lives within me because I have fellowship with him I have communion with him I have a relationship with him I know him and he knows me so their purpose in first John, as he states right there as you heard also Monday night is that we know by that I write these things to you so that you may know that to, to you who believe in the name of the Son of 
God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So when we begin to look at that and begin to understand that is the purpose of 1 John is knowing that we have eternal life. I write these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. And so it's not just the by this we know statements. It's not just the I write these things to you statements. It's not just the very bold we know statements that he has right here because when a Christian knows that he's in that right relationship with God and that he's saved, it's just that we know. Amen. We know. We have that calm assurance of salvation uh, within our life. But when we look at what the world says about Christianity and when we look at what the world says that the, what a Christian is, there's really three things. There's really three things, and we're going to look at those three things. Before we really get into the fullness of it, we're going to look at these three things uh, this morning, and then we're, we're going to look what a real Christian is. Amen? And so as we look at these things, there's three types of Christians as far as the world standard is concerned. As far as the world standard is concerned, as far as uh, the world goes, there's three types of Christian within this world. There's the first type of Christian who has no repentance in his life whatsoever has no repentance in his life whatsoever. They have not repented. And so when we look at this, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26 through 27, it says, For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of the fire which will consume the adversaries. And now that's a terrifying verse. That is a terrifying verse of Scripture right there if we go on sinning willfully. And so as we begin to look at that and begin to understand that, here it is, the one who goes on sinning willfully, he's the one that has not repented of their sin. You know, there's the one that might have walked down the aisle and said, well, why'd you walk down an aisle? Well, maybe because my friend walked down an aisle. Or maybe because I thought it was the right thing to do. Or maybe it's because I was raised up in church all my life and I knew there had to come to a point where I needed to walk down an aisle and I needed to go through all of these motions and go through all these routines and ritualistic things and religion. Everything that religion tells me that I need to do to be a Christian so I walk down an aisle but I never truly repented of my sins and so I, I went on sinning willfully, right? I went on sinning willfully and so as we begin to understand that the Bible says that if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth. So these are people who know the gospel they understand the gospel. They know the truth of the gospel. They've heard the gospel. They could probably preach the gospel to you. They could probably tell you the gospel better than I can tell you the gospel. And so they know the gospel. They have the head knowledge of the gospel. They understand what it is that Jesus Christ has done for them on the cross of Calvary. They understand who it is that's done it for them on the cross of Calvary. And they understand it was because of sin that Jesus died. They understand these things, but they don't care. They continue to go on sinning willfully, even though they have the knowledge of the truth. Now that's not talking about a Christian slipping into sin. That's not talking about a Christian messing up. That's not talking about a Christian slipping off the track. That's not talking about us losing our focus and us losing uh, you know, our direction. It's not talking about that whatsoever. That means that is, the, that, that is the lifestyle that they are living, a willful sinning lifestyle. They don't care about the things of God. 
They just don't want to go to hell. They don't care about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. They just don't want to go to hell. They don't care about submitting themselves unto Jesus. They just don't want to go to hell. Amen? They have no desire to live for Jesus whatsoever. They just don't want to go to hell. Now there's some folks today, and it's a growing number of individuals today that's saying, you know, some people call this the Lordship Gospel, saying, well, that's a works-based salvation because if it's a, it's a works-based salvation, it says that you're adding a work, you're adding repentance to salvation. But friends, it's not adding anything to salvation because what is true repentance? True repentance isn't just turning from sin because if all you're doing is just turning from sin... Say, well, I'm going to straighten my life up. I'm going to get my act together. I'm going to get things uh, worked out. I'm going to make myself a better person. And yes, that is a works-based salvation. But the true repentance isn't just turning away from something, but it's turning towards something. Rather, in this case, it's toward, turning towards someone. And that someone is Jesus Christ. Because listen, you're not going to get your act straightened up. You're not going to get things worked out. You're not going to get yourself cleaned up. You're not going to start living a better life. You're not going to start being a better person until you invite Jesus Christ into your life and then He who began a good work in you will carry it through into the day of completion. Amen? Amen? You can't do it apart from Jesus Christ. There is absolutely no possible way whatsoever. No, you better believe that the Word of God teaches repentance. In fact, the very first thing, the message that John the Baptist preached when he stepped on the scene, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The very first message that Jesus preached when he stepped upon the scene was repent for the kingdom of heaven was at hand. The very first thing that the Apostle Peter said after he preached the gospel message, the resurrected Christ on the day of Pentecost and they came to him and said, brethren, what shall we do? What he say repent 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 and do what be baptized in Jesus' name so don't just turn away from those sins but turn to Jesus Christ amen in fact, Jesus made such a bold statement. He said this in Luke chapter 13 and verse 3. He said, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. You know what Jesus is saying right there? Turn or burn. <laughs> Amen? That's exactly what Jesus is saying. Unless you repent, you will likewise perish. That's out of the very mouth of Jesus Christ. So the first type of Christian that they call themselves a Christian anyway is one who has no desire to live for Jesus whatsoever. They walk down an aisle, they've been baptized, they've got, they've got their name on church roll, they've gone through all of the motions, they don't want to go to hell, but they don't want to live for Jesus either. Amen? And when we talk about sin, I'm, I'm not talking about grievous, wicked um, you know, uh, a, a, a womanator or, 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 or a womanizer, rather, uh, not a womanator, but a womanizer, adulterers, and you know, I'm not talking about all of those extraordinarily wicked sins that we're talking about. I'm just talking about sin. Period. Amen. 
But then the second one right here is the one who thinks that he's good enough to make it on his own. And I believe these are the hardest ones to reach. Think they're a good old boy. They think they're a good old girl. They think they've got everything figured out. They've got it all worked out. They think they already know everything. And they believe that on their own, by their own works, by their own good deeds, by their own good person, that they're going to be able to achieve heaven all on their own. Now they'll claim that Jesus is Lord, but really what they're pursuing and dependent upon is their own good works and their own good deeds and their own goodness and their own righteousness. You know what Jesus had to say to the Pharisees? Jesus called them sons of hell. Jesus told them that they were not only sons of hell, but they were making disciples that was twice as much a son of hell as they were. Jesus told them that they brood of vipers. Jesus told them that they were like whitewashed tombs. What's a whitewashed tomb? It's all pretty on the outside, but it's full of dead men's bones on the inside. Amen? These were people that were trying to be good enough all on their own to try to make their way to heaven. And as far as the world was concerned, they were good people. But those are the words that Jesus had to say to them. Not very good words, not very kind words. And so when we look at these, Jesus said this. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's frightening words when you begin to think about that. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, they're calling Jesus Lord. Not everyone that calls Jesus Lord, according to Jesus, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, according to Jesus, not everybody that calls Jesus Lord is going to enter into heaven. See, Brother Gary said an interesting thing this past week, and I've heard this statistic in all kinds of different ways, and he said he believes that about 60% of people that attend church, 60% of church members, rather, are, are, are lost. Now, the reality is we have no way of actually knowing that. We, we have no way of, of, of estimating that. And, and you know, I believe that there are churches that actively proclaim the gospel, and in those churches that actively proclaim the gospel, certainly there's going to be lost people within those churches, but it's going to be far fewer, uh, fewer. And then there's churches that never preach the gospel. They're entertainment-based churches. They're more, uh, they're more interested in tickling your ear and for you getting a goosebump on your back or down your neck rather than for you actually repenting and living a life of holiness and purity and living that life for Jesus Christ. They want you to get all pumped up and excited. Amen? You never hear the gospel because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And I dare say most likely in those churches there's probably a lot higher amount of people that aren't actually saved. Because they're not going to pursue Jesus, they're going to get entertained. Amen? And we're living in a scary day and age where a lot fewer people are preaching the gospel. A lot fewer churches are proclaiming the gospel. And it's a frightening thing. It's by the foolishness of preaching that we're saved. Amen? So not everyone says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father, who is, uh, who will, he will enter in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, there we go, Lord, Lord. 
Many, Jesus said, not just a few, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and perform many miracles in your name? Jesus, we did all this stuff. We're calling you, Lord. We did all this stuff. Look at all the great, wonderful things that, Jesus, we did. We did it in your name. Yeah, but you didn't do it for the right reason. You did it to glorify and magnify yourself. You did it to lift yourself up. You did it to earn your own way into heaven because you think that you're a good person and you think you deserve all the recognition in the world. And rather than doing it for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ, you did it for yourself. And Jesus said on that day, I'll say to them, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Yeah, but Jesus, I went to church. Yeah, but Jesus, I walked down an aisle. Yeah, but Jesus, I was baptized. Yeah, but Jesus, my name is on a church roll. Yeah, but Jesus, I tithe. Yes, Jesus, I, I even went to Sunday school. Yeah, I was a real good Christian. I even came to church on Wednesday night. I ought to deserve a bigger mansion for that. Amen? Went all week long to revival service. I did all that stuff. Doesn't matter. Nothing matters if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It absolutely matters if you know Him as your Lord and Savior because through that, you're going to grow, you're going to be sure, you're going to be the man and woman God desires for you to be. God's going to use that in great phenomenal ways. But friends, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, all of that is works of iniquity. You see, these two people, uh, the world will call them Christians and the second person will probably look like the greatest Christian you've ever seen. And we have no idea who they are. Because they're trying to be the best person they could be for Jesus to work their way to heaven. But their works are works of iniquity. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself is a gift of God and as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And so when you begin to look at this, friends, these two, these first two right here, these are what folks would say they had a profession of faith, but they never did have a possession of faith. Well, I thought he was dealing on the assurance of salvation. I thought you was going to start preaching on the assurance of salvation. I am going to start preaching on the assurance of salvation. But friend, you better be assured you're saved before we start, better start talking about the assurance of salvation. Amen? Because God can't assure you of something that you don't have. So they have a profession of faith, but they never had a possession of faith. But then we come to the third type, and that third type, they're truly a Christian. They're truly a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. And then I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 1. And as we look at 1 John chapter 1, we recognize this is a true Christian. This is a true born-again believer in Jesus Christ. This is someone who truly knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. This is somebody that, that, that truly meant business. They weren't just trying to get a fire insurance policy. They weren't just coming and trying to fulfill some kind of religion. 
religious task or some kind of religious deed. They weren't just going through some kind of motions, but no, they were coming to Jesus by faith, and it was truly by faith. They knew that they had no merit on their own. They had no standing on their own, and they're coming to Jesus by faith, and by faith they have trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation. And you know what happened to them when they trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation? They entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. They now have fellowship with Jesus Christ. And that's a phenomenal thing when we begin to understand that they have fellowship with Jesus Christ. They know Jesus Christ. They've believed on Jesus Christ. They've trusted in Jesus Christ. And here, when you begin to look at 1 John chapter 1, there is no doubt whatsoever that the Apostle John knows Jesus Christ. Amen. You listen to the words of the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 1 and beginning in verse 1. This man knows Jesus Christ. Amen. He says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our own eyes, what we have looked at, what we have, uh, uh, we have touched with our own hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested and we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Jesus knew, uh, uh, John knew Jesus. Amen. There is no doubt whatsoever that John knew Jesus. Say, well, yeah, John walked with Jesus in the flesh and that he did. But now that Jesus has died and been buried and resurrected on the third day and then 40 days later ascended at the right hand of the throne of the Father, no less does John still know Jesus. He still has that intimate relationship with Jesus. He still has that intimate fellowship with Jesus. In fact, he proclaimed here that he has fellowship with Jesus. He says right here in verse 3, he says, What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And so what is he saying right here? Our fellowship, my fellowship, the Apostle John's fellowship is with the Father through the Son. Yes, Jesus died. Yes, Jesus was buried. Yes, three days later he rose from the grave. Yes, and 40 days later he ascended to be at the right hand of the throne of the Father. And he didn't know it yet, but he's going to have an encounter with Jesus, a physical encounter with Jesus on the island of Patmos and, and therefore write the book of Revelation through uh, what Jesus told him to write down. But he had fellowship with Jesus and he had fellowship with the Father and what he was saying is I want you to have that fellowship too. I have fellowship with Jesus. I have fellowship with the Father. I want you to enter into that fellowship with me. Because I right here, right now, today know Jesus. I right here, right now, today have fellowship with Jesus. Not something that I did when He physically walked on the earth and not something that I'm just going to do in the sweet by and by, but right here, right now, I have fellowship with Jesus Christ. He is in me. 
I know him. Did he know him in the flesh? Absolutely, but he also knew him in the spirit. In fact, the Bible tells us in Revelation, in Revelation chapter 1, that in the that John was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and that's when Jesus showed up. So guess what? He was having fellowship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. So it's have fellowship with the Father, have fellowship with the Son, have fellowship with the Father, with the, with the Spirit. He knew God. He's saying right here, I want you to have that same fellowship. I want you to have that same fellowship. I want you to know Him. I want you to walk with Him. I wish I had time to get into all of what He said right here in those three verses because it's some powerful stuff that, that lines up exactly with first John or with the gospel of John in chapter one. Phenomenal stuff right there. We're gonna, we're gonna move on just for time's sake. And goes on and says in verse five, this is what I want to get across to you. This is the message, he said. So what I want to get across to you, this is the message that we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, it cleanses us from all sin. What are you talking about right there? Talking about fellowship with the Holy God. This is the message that we have heard and that we deliver to you that God is light and in Him there's no darkness at all. If you have fellowship with Him, you're going to walk in that light and His blood is going to cleanse you from all of your sin. Because you're in His light. You see, when you walk, when you step into the light of Jesus Christ, you step into the light of Jesus Christ, and as you step into the light of Jesus Christ, you know something that lost people don't know? They don't know how ugly, vile, despicit, detestable, disgusting, how, 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 how vile sin is. Even little white lies, it doesn't, it makes no difference. Sin is sin. Then they step into the light of Jesus Christ, the light comes on, and they realize this stuff is disgusting. Why do I allow it into my life? It's got to go. Because I'm walking in the light of Jesus Christ. Most of y'all know that I, uh, I used to always tinker with Mustangs. Not biased or anything, but they are the greatest car ever made. But I had one, I, I, was, I was painting, I just got through painting it. It was in the shop, had my shop lights all around and shining on that. Man, I got through painting that. I said, whew, that is one good-looking paint job. I mean, that thing looks so good. I can see my reflection. That is a good-looking paint job. I was just so proud of myself. 
What a good job I did on, that, on painting that Mustang. And I pulled it out of the shop and it got in the sunlight. <laughs> Didn't look so good. Looked a whole lot better in that shop. There was artificial light in the shop, but the real light was on the outside. When I saw what it looked like in the real light, well, there's all kinds of flaws, all kinds of imperfections, all kinds of mess-ups on it. See, when you stand in the light of Jesus Christ, you see you for who you are. You say, oh, no, this can't stay that way. And we're working progress. But we know it. <laughs> Amen. We know it. And we know this stuff's got to go. But if we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. One of the things I love about John, he didn't mind calling you a liar. <laughs> If you say you have fellowship with Jesus, but you're not walking in the light, you're a liar. I didn't say that. In fact, John didn't even say that. He said it through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God said that. You might have had a profession of faith, but you never really had a true possession of So I believe the very first thing that happens to somebody when they are convicted of their sin and they come into fellowship with Jesus Christ, they realize something. I'm a sinner. It's that revelation that makes them realize that they need a Savior. No possible way I could fix this on my own. No, I, I have blown it so badly, I cannot do it. My own good deeds, my own good works, they won't cut it. I need Jesus. And there's no possible way they're going to allow that filth to stay in their life because it is vile. They're going to say, no, it's got to go. And I know Jesus is the only one that can get it out. Why? Because they're walking in the light. Why? Because they have fellowship with Jesus. They know Jesus. Not just know about Jesus. Listen, I know about George Washington. I know about Abraham Lincoln. I know about a lot of people, but I don't know them. I know Jesus. The amazing thing is he knows me too, and he still loves me. Amen? So that's where it starts. Do you today know 
Jesus. Not just a historical figure, not just a Sunday school lesson, not just a Christmas and Easter story, but do you know Jesus? If you don't, friends, you need to settle it today. Things will be done. Right now, we're going to have our praise team come on up. And as they come up, we're going to have some folks go on to the back and get ready for baptism. But I want you all to stand. Would everybody stand this morning? Every Christian is praying right now. Every Christian is seeking the face of God. God, do not allow one lost person to leave here today without knowing you as their Lord and Savior. As our, our folks are going on to the back, getting ready for baptism, they're getting baptized today because they have made a decision. And that decision brought them into a relationship with Jesus Christ, a fellowship, a communion with Jesus Christ. Let me ask you something. If you were to die right here, right now today, where would you spend eternity? If you were to die right now, right this very moment, can you say beyond a shadow of a doubt, I would spend eternity in, G in, in heaven because I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Not because I'm a good person, done a lot of good things, not because I've been baptized, not because I've walked down the aisle, not because I've done anything. But I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior.